You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening to The Sports Fix. In the air left field. This is going to do it. Game three of this NLCS belongs to the Washington Nationals. And Nationals fans, your team is one win from a World Series. Amazing that this team is one win away from the World Series. I'm here. Aaron's here. Tommy's calling in from home, not feeling well again. He's gotten himself sick once again. Um, But you were there last night. And first of all, I guess before we get started, because we're going to do a lot on the Nats today, we will do some Redskins, and we will probably get to the LeBron James story um, if we have time to do that. Um, How are you feeling? You you got some asthma-related issues again? or Yeah. Yeah, Doc. I got some asthma. You know, you're you're going to wind up getting sued for giving out medical diagnoses. <laughs> My doctor laughed when when I told him that you thought I I had asthma. Listen, I would be there. It has nothing to do with being sick. It has everything to do with having four and a half hours sleep last night after being at the ballpark till one thirty. So that's why I'm not there. Let's make four that and a half clear. hours. I'll take four and a half hours every night. Uh, four and a half hours would be a sound sleep for me. Um, but you're a young, you're a young man, younger than you. That's for sure. Um, yeah. Are you feeling all right? Yeah. Seriously, you got to stay away from these young people. I mean, and maybe we're going to have to get you a plastic bubble at some point that we can uh, we the, can cart uh, you around in. I'll be the bubble boy. Yeah, remember that movie? I'll be the bubble boy. Yeah. No, well, I remember. No, I remember the Seinfeld episode where George oh, yeah, of course. wound up playing. Uh, Trivial pursuits with the bubble boy, but I. But uh, listen, I got sick because one thing, everybody, all the kids who cover the Nats are sick, and I was sitting in a press box with them last week for eight hours a day. Plus, I spent twenty hours on a plane last week. People get sick when they're on a plane. No doubt, there, there's no so, doubt. You know, and but you... I'm not as sick. I'm not as sick as I was the last time. I'm fighting it off, and the most important thing is I got out of my deathbed to be on with you. I know. Well, you know what? I appreciate that. It's one of my favorite things to do, as you know. And today would have been a bad day for you not to be on because I of know. what they're close I to. But by, by the way, I was just you know that that boy in the plastic bubble movie. Because um, I just looked it up because I was like I, I sort of remember that movie. John Travolta was in it. 1976, Tommy, the movie came out. Travolta was in it. Robert Reed was in it. Ralph Bellamy was in it. It was a pretty big movie back in the 70s. I never saw it. Yeah. Uh, basically, it? basically, he was like a kid who was born, you know, without an immune system and had to basically live his life in a plastic bubble. Anyway, uh, no one cares sort about that. Sort of like you, in a way, right? Not really. I would say it's pretty much the opposite uh, with, for, with you and me. Maybe we need a bubble at some point to protect yeah. ourselves from ourselves. Anyway, um... <laughs> All right, so you were there last night. Let me just say that watching it on television, it really looked awesome. In in the seventh inning final strikeout for Strasburg, I thought, at least from watching on television, that was almost as loud, if not louder, than the Soto hit in the wildcard game. That place was on fire last night, and it really was cool to watch on TV. What was it like to be there? I think it was louder. It was great. The crowd was pumped up. The place was packed, 43,000 fans, and they were loud. They were up on their feet. You would have loved that part. Yeah, I know. They were up on their feet a lot. We're learning. 
Yeah. And uh, you know what was interesting? Derek Gold, who works for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, covers the Cardinals. He tweeted out last night that he was impressed with the crowd at the Nats game and the atmosphere in the ballpark. And this is an opposing writer who works in St. Louis. He gave them a lot of credit. It was great to be there. Uh, it would be even better to be there tonight if they wind up clinching. Yeah, it really would. You know, it's funny. Uh, so I thought that the Bush Stadium crowd over the weekend, at least watching on television, you know, may have been the cold weather on Friday night could have been part of it. I don't know. But it seemed – now, there was never, you know, an opportunity – for the home crowd to really get excited because they barely generated any base runners. Um, so there was that part of it. But like the two uh, the two ballparks, just completely different in the way it came across on television. And I will say this, Tommy, about our fair town. You know, D.C. is, when it comes to, you know, a big event, it's a big event town, you know, and people respond to the big event. We, You know, you can call it a bandwagon town, a big event town, whatever you want. But we've both been in every single arena and or stadium for big events. And when they are big, the crowd is loud. They're into it. You know, they're passionate. Uh, you know, that, that night that Jason Worth hit that walk-off in their first playoff, you know, series was an incredible moment. I wasn't there for Soto um, uh, in the wild card game and wasn't there last night. But um, usually the East Coast part of our city steps up in moments like that and, yes. and you know and, and and i i enjoy that whether it's a caps playoff game it's been a long time since it's been a redskins playoff game or a big game um but other you know events you know obviously i always refer to some of the big maryland games out in college park that really sometimes have not been rivaled by anything in this town but last night was incredible and tommy i mean we got to start with just this incredible historic pitching you know, uh, performance by the Nats. Uh, the Sanchez performance on Friday night, the, the the Scherzer performance on Saturday night, and then Strasburg last night, they have not given up in an earned run in 27 innings this team hasn't, and the starters have been lights out. Well, like Mike Rizzo said, the stars on this team have played like stars in the postseason. And their stars are, are you know, that starting rotation. We didn't include Annabelle Sanchez in it initially. It was always the big three of Max Scherzer, Strasburg, and Patrick Corbin. But Sanchez is now part of it as well. And, you know, what we're seeing is we're finally seeing at the same time these guys, well, let's say pitchers, pitch their best. They're capable of this. We've always known that the best of these guys – can do something like this. It just so happens that they're all doing it at once, and it's almost like, I know this is like an abstract thing, but pitchers feet on a staff will feed off each other. They feed off each other's performances. They feel like they have to go out there and, and match the guy before them. The, the old Orioles staff used to do that when they were great pitchers and the Orioles yeah. back in the 70s and 80s. They used to do this all the time. And, you know, maybe Patrick Corbin will be able to do that. It's, it's a hard thing to basically command up a great pitching performance. But, but these performances by these Nats pitchers, like, start a momentum going. That, that's hard to stop. The one thing that can stop it is, is a, a real good offensive team. And the Cardinals are not a great offensive that's right. team. You know, uh, you know, the Astros would be. 
So that would be a different challenge in itself. But I got to tell you, let me just make it clear so I'm honest. I thought they were. Go- I thought the Nats were going to lose this series. Yeah, I picked them to lose. You know, um, I wish we had talked tomorrow, but we can we can go over and cover some of the same ground. We don't have you know a time restriction on this thing, um, because I really felt, and I said to Aaron yesterday, that typically when you describe a team that's up three nothing in a series, you say they are in command of the series. I really felt like they were in command of the series after two games. I thought the Cardinals looked defeated and done on Saturday night after what what, uh, Sanchez and Scherzer had done to them, especially considering that Strasburg was next, you know, and then, oh, by the way, they get a break with Corbin, you know, in game four. And now there is no way the Nationals can lose this series, Tommy. There are leads and then there are, you know, true commanding series over situations. And I think this one is the latter. I think it is, too. I mean, they still have Scherzer and Strasburg ahead of them if it goes past, uh, you know, to, tonight. Well, they've got, they got Sanchez yeah. for game five. And then they have their two best pitchers lined up for game six and game seven if, if it gets to that. But this, you know, the offense, the key players like Rendon and Howie Kendrick, who who were two of the best hitters in the National League all year. I mean, Howie Kendrick did not have enough at bats to qualify for a batting title. But if he had, he would have won it. He had the highest batting average in baseball. He's, he's so good. I think for for guys hitting over three hundred. Uh, so. You know, you know who we haven't heard from yet. We haven't really heard that much from Trey Turner yet. No, nope. I'm waiting for him to break out as well. I mean, we haven't even heard from some guys yet. We haven't heard Soto's from Soto trouble. in three straight games. Yeah. Soto's in a bit of a slump here over the final yes, over is. the last three no, games. He's, he's struggling offensively and he struggled defensively last night as well. But uh, you know, in, in a way, it's almost like they saved up all their all their good baseball. Over the years, for this series, you know, I mean, we forget like going into almost all those division titles, those division uh, playoffs. They were considered, if not the most talented team in baseball, among the two or three most talented in baseball each of those years, and they always underachieved. Now this year, they're not overachieving; they're playing to their level. They are this good, save for the bullpen. And my God. Even the bullpen last night, I mean, it was an 8-1 game. Rodney and Rainey. Yeah, I know. I I love watching Fernando Rodney when he's on. He's a lot of fun. (laughs) Well, it's a lot easier to be on when you've got a seven-run lead. I know. I know. And that guy, just as an aside, I see that guy signing autographs at the ballpark before a game all the time. So he's he's a a terrific guy, and I'm I'm rooting for him. But uh, it was a great atmosphere. Uh, you know, Ryan Zerman is, 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 no. is having a great postseason. They've, they've just got – Rizzo said it best. Our stars are playing like stars, and they have a lot of stars. I mean, they, most people thought going into the season the Nats were the favorite to go to the World Series. And finally, 
they're playing to their level of ability. Well, I mean, I went back actually um, before the postseason started and looked at a lot of the preseason projections. Um, you know, the Nats weren't like an overwhelming World Series pick, but they were picked to be a playoff team and to be a division winner. Now, Atlanta got a lot of run, and Philadelphia got some run as well. But the Dodgers were the 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 big favorite in the National League to get to the World Series, and Houston, you know, were, was the big favorite in the Nat and the American League to win the World Series overall. But you know, to your point. This isn't a sneak up on everybody's situation. You know, they are now 81 and 40 over the last four and a half months. They've won 15 of, of, of their last 17 games. This is a team that had the talent. And, you know, going back to early in the season, and we had some of these conversations, it, it really was, uh, it's impressive in hindsight, but also somewhat obvious in hindsight um, it, it, to, to recognize what they thought that. They stuck with it. They had confidence because they were missing guys that were seeing light it up. Rendon and Soto and, and you know, and guys that were hurt. They they really were missing big time players. Trey Turner, you know, for a big part of that nineteen and thirty one stretch. But going in, a lot of people did feel like the Nats were a dangerous team if they got into the postseason because of their starting pitching. Um, and certainly, a lot of people thought that they would be the toughest matchup for the Dodgers in the National League, which proved to be true. Um, I, I wanted to do some uh, of, of these results pitching-wise with you because I think the Strasburg results are actually amazing. But even before we get to that, you know, the Nats would be right now um, in three straight shutout situations had it not been for basically two fielding errors. Like Michael, Michael A. Taylor misread that line drive on Saturday, which led to a run, and then Soto slips last night, makes a bad throw. Those are the only two cardinal runs. Sanchez, Scherzer, and Strasburg have combined as starters for one unearned run allowed, three walks, 28 strikeouts. In 21 and two-thirds innings. That's unbelievable, Tommy. And through the nine playoff games, the Nats, the Nats starters have a 1.59 ERA, and the opponent's batting average against is 164. You can't lose a series with that kind of starting pitching. Because, well, and we also know that the bullpen's essentially been starting pitchers, you know, going back to the beginning of the postseason. Incredible numbers. Right. It really is. It's, it's, it's impressive. And I, had, and, uh, I love it because I hated the bullpen, the bullpenning of pitching staffs in baseball. I know a lot of teams, a lot of the smaller market teams did it by necessity. Teams like, like Milwaukee and Tampa because they can't afford to pay, right. you know, three top Big-time line starters. starters. Yeah. So I understand that. But, but starters, they, they're the giants of baseball. They are, they are the ultimate stars. I mean, that camera is on that starting pitcher, you know, for every pitch. I mean, those, I mean I've always said pitchers are the ones that fans show up to see the most. So, I mean, to diminish your stars by diminishing starting pitching was not good for the game. This is good for the game to have guys like Scherzer and Strasburg, recognizable names, uh, at least in, in the baseball world and in the sports world too, you know, be so be so special. I mean, it's it's part of the conversation today uh, around town. Strasburg, Scherzer, Nationals. These, these, I mean, I think it's I think the Nationals 
doing this well is good for baseball. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it from that perspective, but you're so right. Like, from a business perspective, I know that you've had some of these teams that have, you know, basically like the Brewers relied on openers rather than starters, you know. But when you think about it, you're you're so right. You're like, of course, the big time home run hitters have been stars in the sports in the yes. sport, and they're and they're out there every day, unlike a pitcher. But the pitcher, when he's out there, gets more camera time than anybody. They're recognizable faces. And you're right. A lot of people make their decision during the regular season on the game that they want to go see based on who the starting pitchers are going to be. Um, It's so true. I wanted to, I'm sure you've seen these numbers, but maybe some listening haven't because I want to get to Strasburg here for a moment because what he's putting together right now is an amazing career, and all of a sudden it's sort of jumped on us here because of his performance in this particular postseason. Right now, Strasburg is on, is on par playoff-wise with some of the all-time greats in 41 career postseason innings, which, by the way, Tommy, isn't a few. You know, he's he's got 41 postseason innings. A lot of great pitchers never even made it to the postseason. Strasburg's right. got 57 strikeouts and five walks with a 1.10 ERA, which trails only Sandy Koufax and his 0.95 ERA among pitchers who have pitched at least five playoff games or, or started five playoff games. His 10-plus strikeouts in four of his seven postseason starts is a feat that only Bob Gibson has matched. And then last night's performance, Tommy, gets to your all-time hero. Zero walks in 12 strikeouts in a postseason start. The last time that happened, 46 years ago, Tom Seaver in an NLCS game. Koufax, Gibson, and Seaver is who Strasburg's being mentioned with right now in terms of playoff performance. I'll ask you what I asked Mark Zuckerman earlier this morning on radio. Is it time to start considering him to be Cooperstown worthy? He's going to have to amass more. uh, He's going to have to amass a lot more career numbers. I think he's 112 and 58. Very impressive career numbers. And he hasn't won a Cy Young. Uh, it's it's uh, without a Cy Young, and without a an impressive uh, overall career resume. Like Max Scherzer is going to walk in right because of his three Cy Young awards. So Strasburg hasn't won a Cy Young, and they vote on the Cy Young during for the regular season. So he's not going to win it this year, even though he had a terrific year, eighteen and six, and struck out I think two hundred fifty four batters. Uh, but but. He's pitching Cooperstown like now. Look at Kurt Schilling would probably be in in the Hall of Fame if he didn't shoot his mouth off so much right. based on his postseason, postseason performances. Right. He was eleven and two in, in postseason performances. His 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 uh his regular season resume would not put him in that conversation. So, you know, Strasburg, you know, we could see the you know, the beginning. I I, I look these nationals, they're not I'm going not anywhere. asking you if he's in now. I'm just saying, are we seeing, like, is this the first time that it's worthy of having the conversation as to whether or not he's putting together a Hall of Fame career? Uh, again, I, I, I don't like to think of it in that way. I think you could. I mean, because 
I think the transformation of him has just been totally complete now. And I, as much of off the field, I think, has affected him on the field. I mean, he's talked about how he handles things differently now. Right. I mean, I know it seems kind of obvious, by the way, but he's matured. He's matured like, like a lot of us do. And he handles things different now than he did five or six years ago. Here, this is a quote that he gave this week. I mean, his, his, this was a guy. I was with Steven Strasburg when they introduced him at Nats Park as the number one pick. I was in the clubhouse with him as he walked down the tunnel to be introduced on the field. And he was like a guy walking on death row to the electric chair. Yeah, right. He was so scared and, and so nervous and just so did, did not want anybody to know anything about him. Now he's like Buddha when he gives his answers. Somebody asked him about how the culture has changed in the clubhouse. This is, quote, it's human nature for when things go wrong to maybe not want to look in the mirror and constantly say we don't really have that feeling in the clubhouse. He's talking about the way it used to be. And that's a pretty strong admission that basically he was saying it was not that great of a culture. It's more so now like picking each other up and sticking together, and we're just a tight-knit group of guys, and we talk about family a lot. I mean, for him, that's, that's like, that's like a, a revelation for him to talk like that. He's basically saying, you know, they weren't as tight as, as everyone thought they were, and this year is different. And uh, I, think, I think that has impacted his, his performance on the mound. And uh, like for last night, you know, uh, he's struggling in the seventh inning. He's putting runners on base. Dave Martinez goes out to get him. Strasburg says he's not, he doesn't want to come out. And he winds up closing out the inning. That was, I mean, before, that, that's a two-run inning for Steven Strasburg. Not only closing it out, but he got behind on weeders and then threw three straight strikes and then struck Fowler out on three pitches. Now he had he had Fowler's number all. Oh night. yeah. Now it's a lot easier to do in a seven-one game. You know, if that game's three-one, you know, I don't know that he gets the choice in that spot from Dave Martinez. But you're, you're right. You're so right. Like all the things that you know used to you know, prompt people to talk about how delicate he was and how perfect things needed to be. He, he seems like a completely different um, person. And I loved the hug with Para, like that lasted <laughs> forever. And, and I loved his comment. He's, I'm not much of a hugger, which by the way, would have been anybody's reaction watching um, Strasburg over these, you know, these nine, you know, 10 years that, you know what? He doesn't look like much of a hugger. But Tommy, back yeah. to just his career. He's only 31. Like it's very possible that he is just now, you know, in the back portion of his prime and we could have two, three more years of prime Steven Strasburg and on this team as long as they re-sign Rendon and keep Soto here, probably more postseason opportunities. Well, let's let's get to the business at hand. As long as Strasburg doesn't opt out and goes someplace right. else, right? And, and, and he doesn't opt out, right? Which and, God. And listen, I I don't think he will. I mean, he's a big guy on comfort level, and he's really comfortable here. Now, more money can make you more comfortable, and he's racking up the dollars in this postseason as we speak. But he moved his whole family from from San Diego to Washington last year. 
I don't see this guy leaving town. I don't see the Nationals net let him leaving town. Uh, I think he will be around, and I think we'll see some great years ahead from Strasburg. Speaking of racking up um, and increasing his value, I mean, Anthony Rendon's postseason is just ridiculous. I mean, he's hitting 379. He's got a 1.108 OPS. He's 11 for 29 with six RBIs, eight walks. Like, it seems almost impossible to strike him out. He, he struck out seven times in this series, but there's no chance that, you, that, that you're going to get him, in more cases than not, to be down and out at 0-2, it's almost where he thrives. By the way, speaking of like two out, you know, innings, the Nats now have nine of their 13 runs in this series with two outs is where they're generating it. I, I, it's just been awesome to watch, but I, I wanted to go back to something real quickly, and that is the three pitching performances in this series, because I talked a lot about it yesterday, and I, and I said that my favorite, and even after last night, my favorite is Sanchez's performance on Friday night. I love... I... I I love Tommy and really I get um you know almost moved by the older veteran who uses experience and guile and craftiness to completely befuddle an opponent with the opponent not even realizing that it's happening and I I just that Sanchez you know no hitter into the 8th was the most compelling performance of the 3 and they were all great for me which of the three was the best for you? Well, it, it, I, the Strasburg one last night, I guess, because it's hard to separate the TV from being there in person. I wasn't there in St. Louis for the first two in person. Look, right. I, I, I was the guy who came back in spring training I know. and told everyone that, that people <laughs> I was going to say that surprised. for you. You didn't have to say it yourself. I would have given well, you credit. I was on the verge of doing it. Well, and, and, and because you know who he pitches like, except he's better? Levon he Hernandez. like Levon Hernandez. Yeah. He's got, he's got like 10 or 15 different versions of pitches. He changes speeds from 65 miles an hour to 90 miles an hour. I know, it's crazy. Hour. And uh, he's had, he remade himself over his career as a pitcher, you know? And, uh, and he's not only that, again, I know this is cliche stuff and fans – because they can't quantify it, aren't crazy about it. But he's a tremendous clubhouse guy. I mean, he had a tremendous impact, not just on the Latin players in, in that room, which he did, but on the whole team. I mean, this is, this is by far the best national clubhouse I've been in. And they've had good clubhouses, but you know, they've, they've also had issues as well. And Sanchez is just as strong a character as he is a pitcher. And, I mean, you saw him when he came off the field after uh, uh, the Martinez got the hit yeah. off him. He acknowledged him, you know. Oh, and how yeah. about kissing the baseball when he's on the mound? <laughs> I love that. Well, I mean, it was that whole thing Friday night. I mean, first of all, you're sitting there, you're like, oh, my God, we are in the postseason, and the Nats are in, in the National League Championship Series for the first time, and in their first NLCS game, this dude might pitch a no-hitter. And then, of yeah. course, Saturday, I was convinced through six innings that Scherzer was going to finish it off because they couldn't even put a bat on the ball, let alone actually right. you know, put one into, in, in, into the outfield for a single. And Goldschmidt, you know, I said this yesterday, and I'm sure you, you felt the same way, if that had been a 7 nothing lead or even a 5 nothing lead, Soto probably makes the catch on the Goldschmidt leadoff single in the 7. Yes. You know, yes. if it's a he, regular he season game. Say, I'm sorry, say again? 
He takes a chance on getting that ball rather than letting it bounce in front of him. Last night, um, however, was the most complete performance by the team in this postseason. I mean, Kendrick was incredible. You know, three doubles, three RBIs. Zimmerman, we mentioned him. He was two for four last night with two more RBIs. Eaton continues to be clutch. Like, I don't know what Eaton's hitting for this series. It's not very good. You know, I, I... I'll look it up here real quickly. It's clearly not very good, but he's had the clutch at bats, you know. In absolutely, in, in, he's in the, the guy who who has gotten their offense started when when it seemed like they were struggling at during the games. Here it is, Adam Eaton. Yeah, I, I didn't think it was very good. He's hitting 182 in the series. He's six no. of 33. However, he's had just clutch now back to back clutch hits and you know last night too how about Strasburg's two sack bunts against Flaherty yes. which were so impressive like I'm listening to um you know Darling and company on uh, and Frank Hoare, et etc and they're saying look that, that dude Flaherty's throwing 97 that's not easy to do and he's laying down perfect bunts you know to move runners over and then the decision Tommy last night for Davey who he everything he touches turns to gold here to start Robles for a Michael A. Taylor who's played so well, and Robles completely delivers for him. Yeah. And what about another thing with Strasburg? I forget who the runner was, but he gets the guy off second base, and he he, he, he handles that perfectly. Oh, well, it was I Ozuna. Mean, yeah. Okay, you handle – I mean, when you get a guy in a rundown, what you do is you run towards the, the, the guy. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and he, he handled it perfectly. Like like that, and uh, I've seen I've seen a lot of postseason games get 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 flushed down the toilet by a pitcher who didn't know how to field his position. Well, think Strasburg. Look, did I, I, well in hindsight, I I don't know that it would have mattered had St. Louis jumped on top there in the second. Remember, in Strasburg's start against the Dodgers, he's down three nothing, giving up two homers to Muncie and and um. Uh, Hernandez in game five and then he bears down and pitches great to keep him in the game so Ozuna doubles to to lead off the second and then Martinez grounds right back to Strasburg he makes that great play it's a terrible base running error by Ozuna terrible yeah like you know given that they I don't think they had had a runner on second to lead off an inning in any of the games in St. Louis and so they had a legit shot in that spot to to jump out to a one nothing lead but I don't know that it would have mattered the Nats are just better they're just a lot better and playing really you know what the 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 Nationals are look I haven't seen a lot of the Astros and the Yankees uh, or 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 the Astros I've I've seen them during the regular season I've watched some during the postseason and people would argue that the Astros are probably the best show in baseball right now but if, if the Astros are the best the Nats are right behind them as the second best show to watch this postseason. I mean, they are compelling to watch. Oh yeah, um, you know, I have, as you know, um, people very close to me who live um, offshore and and delve into the uh, the other side of gambling, the right side of gambling, and and one of them in particular is just a massive baseball guy, and we're always talking during the course of the season. And he said, look, it's going to be really hard to beat the Astros in a best-of-seven, and it may be difficult to beat the Yankees. Both of those teams, by the way, will be favored over the Nats. And in fact, the Astros may be a sizable favorite over the Nats. But 
It's pitching in the postseason, brother, and the Nats have it in spades. They have it more yes. than the other two. By the way, how cool would it be to see either a Verlander-Scherzer or Verlander-Strasburg Game 1 matchup? Although the way things are going, if Sanchez doesn't pitch Game 5 because they close it out tonight, I wonder if they'll let Sanchez pitch Game 1 of the World Series. No. I don't think I so. Don't think- Zucker, Mark thought that there was a chance they would. Well, they might. They, they might, but uh, if they could pitch Scherzer or Strasburg in game one, yeah. they're, they're, they're going to do that. Now, listen, Houston has better pitching. You know, Garrett Cole and Verlander, yeah, but I don't know that they have the deep starting pitching that the Nats have. Well, they, they've got uh, Garrett Cole, Cole's Verlander, right now. and uh, what's, what's the other? Zach Greinke. And Zach Greinke, who didn't pitch in it very well in his last outing. Yeah, I know. I know, but uh, I, I, I like those. I like those trades. Look, you're right. I understand that Houston would be favored. The Yankees would be favored. I, I get that, but uh, we might be talking about. Uh, we're talking about a team that has has. I mean, I don't know what their record has been in the past three weeks. I forget it, but but it's certainly been better than anybody else's in baseball. We've talked about this phenomenon of the wild card momentum carrying a team through the postseason. And I think we're seeing it with the Nationals. Yeah, the last team to win it all, the, the Giants, when they played the Royals, and both of those teams were wild cards in 2014. Uh, you know, the Giants came through D.C. on the way to, to doing it. Um, yeah, by, by the way, I, 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 um, Aaron and I were talking about this before the show. Tonight, if the Yankees are the opponent in the World Series, tonight's the last chance to get into that stadium for a reasonable price. Like you can get into the stadium tonight and sit in decent seats for about two hundred and fifty bucks, two hundred bucks, hundred and eighty bucks, you know, for decent seats. If the Yankees are the opponent, you're not getting into that ballpark anywhere for less than a thousand bucks. You're so, right. So it, it'll be you, you are, it'll be nuts. You are, it'll be at, Tommy. At, it'll be the at, hardest at, ticket this city has seen since I don't know when. It it'll be a much uh, look, the Caps, smaller arena, small, you know, 18, 19,000, whatever it is, you know, lots of demand, few, you know, s- limited supply. But if it's Yankees, Nats in this World Series, it, it's going to be the most in demand ticket we've seen in this town in years. Um, yes, it will. Two, two things about the Yankees and the Astros. If they play the Astros, uh, this is their spring training partner in West Palm Beach. Right. They see the Astros a lot in spring training. They share the same facility. That'll be interesting. And you mentioned, like, Scherzer versus Verlander. They used to be teammates. There's no right. love loss between those guys. They're not best of friends. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. So the, second, the other thing is, uh, I'm rooting for Houston because I do not want to go to New York to cover a baseball game. And, I mean, it's, it's a cesspool. It's a cesspool of a city, a city I was born and raised. Everybody, what? the minute you walk into New York, everybody gets a dollar. Everybody. doesn't matter who they are. They get a buck, you know, for something. So I don't want to, I mean, the hotel, <laughs> I'll, I'll be sleeping the, on the street. By the way, a buck maybe 30 years ago, hopefully it's five bucks at least. I mean, you're duking people no, I mean, a the dollar? Whole population. The whole by the time you leave, it's like you gave the whole population a dollar. <laughs> oh my God, you're something else. Um, 
I'm glad I'm not waiting on your table. That's for sure. Because no, I, actually, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a good tipper, buddy. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm a very generous. Tipper. So Tommy, when they won it in 2012, and they had Verlander, and they had they had sure they had Sanchez on that team too, right? Yes. Yeah. So the pitchers for that 2012 Tigers title team were Verlander, Sanchez. Well, they didn't win a title that year. Uh, uh, right. They lost to they the Giants. To the lost to the Giants. Yeah. I'm sorry. When they lost to the Giants in 2012, when no, they lost they didn't to fight it. Who pitched for the Tigers that year? In 2012, the Cardinals were in the World Series. 2012. Yeah, that was the year the Cardinals crushed the Nats' hopes. Yeah, yeah, I know that. Um, but I and who thought, was in the American I thought the 2012 World Series was uh, Giants-Tigers. I thought that the Giants... Okay. I don't think the Tigers right. have been to a World Series. No, it was it was Giants Tigers in 2012. Yeah, right. It was okay. Gi- Giants well, swept because right. yeah, yes. they because the Giants beat the Cardinals yes. in the in the NLCS yes. that year. Okay, yes. yeah, I thought I thought it was right. The year before that was the year no, the Cardinals 2012, won. 2012. 2012. Who was in the World Series? It, Giants it, and Tigers. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, four game sweep. The Cardinals beat the Rangers, Tommy, in. When David Freeze was the MVP, the year before that, I think, or maybe two years before that, it was like Tony Larusa's last, you know, thing with the Cardinals, right? I don't know. Uh, anyway, what else? Do, do they end it tonight? Yes or no? Yes. I think they yes, do. Yes, they too. do. I think the Cardinals Wednesday, just look dead and want it to be over at this point. Wednesday, it's supposed to rain, so we don't want it. To, and it's a four o'clock game. Uh, and it could it could last all day if it rains, so uh, we want it done tonight, and they'll end it tonight. Yeah, let let the other let your co-host here today handle the weather situation for Wednesday. Um, here's the situation: um, Major League Baseball is planning on rain altering Wednesday. If the Nats lose tonight, all right. If they lose tonight, it's very possible that that game tomorrow which was scheduled for 4.08 Eastern, is going to get moved to Wednesday night, and the Yankees-Astros game will actually get suspended or postponed, and they'll resume the series the next night. And the reason is, the way the storm is moving, Tommy, the rain's going to end here, but it isn't going to end in New York on Wednesday. So, that it, first of all, I don't think they're going to have a Game 5 tomorrow. I think they're going to end it tonight. But if there is a Game 5, it's very, very possible that that game will get moved from 4.08 to 8.08 um, p.m. on Wednesday night. Let the, let the big boys handle the weather stuff here. Um, don't, don't tread into an area that you're unfamiliar with. Um, I thought you only did snowstorms. <laughs> That's true. Good. You're right about that. I only do snowstorms, but I do nor'easters year-round, and this is sort of a nor'easter situation. Uh, all right, I'm with you. I think it ends tonight. I think Cor. By the way, you know, e- even though we've seen Corbin three times in relief, we haven't seen him start a game since Game One against the Dodgers. Even though we seem to see him every other day, you know, in every other game. Yeah, and I might want to remind everybody that everyone was willing to pin a rose on Corbin because he managed to recover in that game one and, and pitch okay. But, uh, I, th- I mean, look, I think he set the tone for that game one against the Dodgers. I think he took his team out of it early. That first inning was the worst inning of his career. Yeah, I That's just a bad time to do people. that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, could not stop walking people. 
uh, in that first inning. Um, uh, yeah, they, they, and got out of it, by the way, if I recall, only giving up one run. Like it seemed I know. like it should have been much worse, um, but it wasn't, and they got out of that um, only giving up one run. Um, you know, it's sort of like, the, you know what, Tommy? It's sort of like the Strasburg first inning against the Dodgers. It really should have been worse and felt like it could have been worse, but he was able to sort of, you know, uh, hold, hold the fort down there barely in that first inning. Um, after giving up the uh, the homer to uh, to Muncie um, early in that game, but anyway, all right, uh, we both have an ending tonight, and it will be really cool to see a DC baseball team in the World Series. And you know, I've told you many times over the years that I'm just old enough to remember going to Senators games with my father. My father is a diehard Nats fan. I mean, whether he's in Florida for half the year or at home for half the year, he does not miss a game you know, every night. And I think a lot of people of his age in particular are really, really excited and moved about this because they grew up watching a terrible baseball team, but having baseball and having the ability to go to the park, you know, on a July night to watch, you know, in many cases, somebody else from another team that was coming in, maybe somebody from the Yankees because the Senators were an American League team. But, you know, it's really amazing. And I've, I've talked about this a little the last two days. It really is amazing when you think about it, Tom, that D.C. didn't have baseball for 34 years. They had a baseball tradition, even though it wasn't a winning tradition. 70 years in the big leagues. You know, every opening day, the president throwing out the first pitch, or most opening days, the president throwing out the first pitch. And then not to have it for 34 years, you had multiple generations grow up without it. And I still have, and you and I have had this conversation before, I still have a lot of friends. Their heart lies with the Orioles, not the Nationals. They're rooting for the Nationals, but it's it's amazing that this town was not... Uh, was was deprived from baseball for that long of a of a period of time because they thought that they wouldn't support it here. Well, you know, this is what this is what I always tell people if you want to talk about the passion for baseball in this town. Uh, Thirty four years without a team, they had a team right up the road that was perfectly serviceable, that was good, and that that could fill your needs, but it never quite did. For most people, Not for me. some people it did, but but for a lot of people it never did. And you had generations of politicians, businessmen, and fans who never stopped trying to get a team back to Washington. Nobody nobody waved the white flag and said, "Well, you know, it's never going to happen. You know, we're wasting our time. Let's just root for the Orioles." I don't think there's been a a city in America that has gone that long and fought that long to get back what they lost in professional sports. Yeah. I mean, what city would would be even comparable like for any sport? I mean, Yeah, uh, like the Ram you could argue the Rams, you know. Yeah, but it wasn't 34 LA, years. They left in 94, yeah. they got it back 3 years ago. It was more like 20. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, that says what what you need to know about how important baseball was in in this town. That uh, you know politicians who started the fight in seventy two seventy three are long gone, and then you had another generation that continued the fight into two thousand five. You know, um, I forget if I 
if this was a Thursday thing when you were on or if, or if it was a Friday thing. So I'll mention it anyway. And if I'm being repetitive, just tell me. But I had a caller to the show late last week start talking about the days where the Redskins would have a game on a Sunday in October and there would be all those banners and those signs saying, bring baseball back to Washington. You remember that all of those years, you know, baseball in 1987, baseball in 1983, whatever it was, there was always a push during football season to make it very clear you know, that if somebody were watching a Redskins game on television, that Washington wanted baseball back. It was always a theme of those games. I'm not saying that it was people, you know, are like, oh, let's look for the baseball's back sign. But if you were at those games or you watched them on television at least once, you recognized somebody, you know, with a big sign or a big banner that would be hung saying, bring baseball back to Washington. Well, a caller called me late last week and said, wouldn't it be really cool if last night, you know, for the for the first home National League Championship Series game, or maybe tonight, if they had a big sign at Nats Park that said "Bring football back to the nation's capital," that would be <laughs> that would be something. And you gotta love how the Redskins have thrown their support behind the Nats, you know, with all their congratulations and stuff. Don't you love that? Well, you know, it's funny because I don't know if it was you who told me this or somebody else said the Redskins haven't congratulated the Nats at all. They're the only team in town that hasn't. The Caps, the Wizards, the Mystics, the United, and and whatever other teams there are here in town have all done that. The Redskins actually did uh, tweet out a good luck and, you know, go Nats and stay in the fight thing before game one in St. Louis. So it's not like they hadn't done anything. What they didn't do from what I can tell, is they were the only local team not to send out via social media a huge congratulations after they beat the Dodgers. But they did send something out before the Cardinals game. Well, good for them. Shows they have a heart. (laughs) It may be shrunken, and it may be black, but they have a heart. Yeah. All right, um, speaking of them, let's get to them next. But real quickly, uh, mybookie.ag, for those of you that don't have a place to wager, I'm giving you a place to wager with a great deal. Mybookie.ag has great lines, has fast payouts, has great offerings, straight bets, parlays, teasers, however you want to bet a game, they offer it. Look, there are a lot of these places that you can't trust, you can trust mybookie.ag. If you don't have a guy or you don't have an offshore site or you haven't figured out how to bet on sports and you want to, first of all, I would say take caution when you decide to start wagering on sports. It's not for everybody and you got to have thick skin, Tommy, and you got to understand that more likely than not, you aren't, you're not going to win. No matter what Ted Leonsis tells you, more likely than not, you're not going to win when you bet, but you can have a lot of fun betting on games. And if you're going to do it, do it at mybookie.ag. Go to mybookie.ag and to activate this special offer, use my promo code KevinDC. Now, what's the offer? The offer is this. MyBookie will double your first deposit. So if you open up an account with 300 bucks, they're going to give you 300 on top of that to play with. Now you're not going to be able to pull it right out. And and this isn't like an easy money-making operation where you double your first deposit and then say, "Hey, I want my 600 bucks back without betting on games." You're going to have to bet on a lot of games over a period of time before you can get a payout. 
um, because they're not going to double your deposit unless you do that. If you don't want the do- deposit doubled, you just put in whatever amount you want. And you can pull it out whenever you want. But don't do that. Take advantage of this offer. Use my promo code KevinDC at mybookie.ag today. Get your first deposit doubled. You play, you win, you get paid at mybookie.ag. All right. Um, By the way, one thing before we move on to the uh, football team. Yeah. You mentioned Ted Leonsis. Yeah. This is what he tweeted last night. He must have been at the Nats game. What a great vibe at last night's Nationals game. Positive, confident, fun. In it together. D.C. is a total sports town. I saw so many fans last night wearing Capitals, Wizards, and Mystics gear. <laughs> alongside their Nats red. That's awesome. I wore my red Nats hoodie to represent. By the way, the Mystics are throwing out the first pitch tonight. Oh, good. Well, who's throwing it out? The whole team isn't throwing. Is it Elena Deladon? Deladon. Good. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah. Um, Did you see the TV ratings from over the weekend? Football versus baseball? No. No. So... You know, uh, look, Ted's insufferable from from my vantage point. And this this you know some of the quotes off of the William Hill announcement. You know the 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 online um, the you know the 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 uh, the legal uh, bookmaker gambling company in Europe. Um, William right. Hill, um, the, the relationship that he's creating with Ted. I, I cannot stand to hear Ted talk about gambling anymore. He's either incredibly naive or he's totally disingenuous. I actually am going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say it's the former. What he should say in all of this gambling talk is not talking, he stopped talking about data and the advantages and how, you know, really smart guys have a chance to win big. Just say, look, gambling provides extra entertainment. You know, in watching the game, it's a lot of fun. Uh, he is really pushing it as if it's like a career. Like people are going to turn this into a career and they're going to take down Vegas. It's unbelievable to me how naive he is about this. But anyway, what were we talking about? Oh, the TV ratings. So uh, I, 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 this is not, you know, exactly the time to talk about this, but off of what you just said, the Redskins-Dolphins game, which I thought going in had a chance to be the lowest-rated regular season Redskins game of all time. Like, it shouldn't have been watched by anybody unless you had to for professional reasons. It did a 14.2 locally. The Nats game the day before, game two against the Cardinals, it was on TBS, wasn't on Fox, it was on TBS, did an point. Um, it was an eight point something. I had it here uh, a moment ago and now I can't find it. Um, here it is. Did an 8.7. So I, I I don't want to get hung up on this because I'm so into the Nats and couldn't care less about the Redskins right now. But for people that really think that, oh, all of a sudden we're a baseball town or the people that thought all, all of a sudden we're a hockey town from back in, uh, you know, two years ago. The Redskins are having it may be at a at a new unprecedented rock bottom moment, and they nearly doubled the Nats television rating over the weekend. So th- that's a reality check. And I know you're going to tell me not everybody watches on television, and you're going to give me your whole rating spiel. That's fine. It wasn't you know it wasn't a fourteen versus a fourteen two versus a thirteen point eight. It was a fourteen two versus an eight point seven. It was a significant difference. And I can't. I don't know anybody personally that watched the Redskins Dolphins game other than me, and maybe you. 
Um, but anyway, I, I, I digress because I don't really care about that stuff right now. I care about the Nats, and it's, it's so much fun watching this. But, you know, people are they're, – they're not really aware of the, the differences. If you want to say anything about that, go ahead right now. And no, no. I, look, it, I agree with you. I think this is – I think people – it may drive people nuts, but uh, – and it's, it's more the NFL maybe at this point than the Redskins. But the NFL rules. You know, it just does. You know, well, there's nothing wrong with being second place. No, okay. nothing. Nothing. And, and by the way, Tommy, right now to me, this is bigger than two years ago. This is, and maybe it's because of my personal, you know, interests. Like, I'm into this. I wasn't nearly as much from a personal, passionate level of rooting into the hockey thing as much, but this is uh, this is appealing to I think a larger group of people. We will see. I mean, because the World Series ratings should. I mean, the Nets if they're playing the Yankees in the World Series, these games should be doing twenty pluses here in town. They would they'll be doing fifty pluses in New York. We should see games in the twenties if they're in an actual World Series. Which, by the way, I think the Caps elimination when they finally eliminated Vegas, I think it did something in the twenties. Um, locally, which was incredible. But anyway, that, that's beside the point. Let's get to the Redskins real quickly from Sunday. Um, that was, God, what an impressive performance, didn't you think? I mean, beating the Dolphins, a team that was desperate, you know, had to have it, and the Redskins with their new staff and, you know, the feeling that if they could get this one, they're, they're right back in the season. What did you think of the big 17-16 to win over Miami? You know, it was like that <laughs> Giants game a couple years ago. At least, look, we talk about the Dolphins, and, and, they're try, and they're tanking. But that's the front office. Those players played hard. The players on the field, I mean, they weren't, they, they, they weren't you know, like sparring partners. They played hard, the Dolphins did. Uh, so I give credit to the players on the field. And here's the other thing, Kevin. You don't want to be the, the only Redskins team to go 0-16, do you? You know I was being sarcastic, right? I know. Okay. Um, I know that. It, it was an embar- I get that. It was, an, embar- is, it was an embarrassment I, for the organization. I, I get that. Yeah. I get that. But you don't but you won. Yeah, it doesn't it, but it, you it, won. It, you it don't want Who cares? I didn't want, want them to, be to win. 0-16? I wanted them to lose. I wanted Miami to make the two point conversion. I'm not I'm not about to fake like I wanted them to win in that spot. If they had come out and they had done what everybody else did to Miami, win by an average of 35 points a game, that was the difference in the Miami's first four games. If they had come out and it was 30, you know, 38 to nothing or 38 to 6, I would have been like, "All right, you know, clearly, you know, they're at least not you know, so bad that they can't take advantage of a team that is openly tanking as a franchise. You're right. Those players, they're playing to put shit on tape. I mean, they're, they're not trying yeah. to go out there and just lay down. But what tanking really looks like, Tommy, and I explained this yesterday, you know, at, at, at this level in a 16-game season, is what Miami did. They First of all, they deactivated their best defensive player who had practiced all week with a sore knee and in any other situation probably would have played. So he was out from the game. And then when you are a team that wants to would prefer to lose, 
you take risks on lower probability outcomes like they did, you know, faking a punt, an onside kick, and then the two-point conversion where if you're really trying to win that game, you're kicking there. You've got all the momentum. You're going to overtime. And then if you're going to run a two-point conversion on a play that you practiced during the week, you're going to run it with the player that practiced it. They didn't. Mark Walton was the one that practiced it all week, and they very conveniently took him out and put the guy that hadn't practiced the play, Kenyon Drake, in for that play. That's how you subtly tank. Those players are trying, but organizationally, they didn't win it. They didn't want to win that game because the Redskins are more likely than not the team they will be vying with for the first overall pick. They didn't want yeah, to look back right. in October and say, "Oh my God." Why did why did we put Fitzpatrick into the game? What a what a dopey move! By the way, um, I mentioned this I think on the podcast yesterday. I definitely talked about it on the radio show. Did you hear Fred Smoot's description of the two point play by the Dolphins? No, he called it two for Tua. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, because it really was a low probability two point play, like. Here's how you don't score on a two-point play for starters. Don't throw the ball into the end zone. Throw it short of the end zone from the two-yard line. And let's see how that works. But anyway, it was an embarrassment Sunday. Um, it was uh, – I was openly at the end wanting them to lose that game for the purposes of getting the number one pick. But even more than that, Tommy, I'd be, I'd be disingenuous if I was saying – if I said I'm just rooting for them to get the number one pick. I want Bruce, I want Dan to understand how bad this situation is that he's got no choice. And losing to the Dolphins, I don't know if that would have been a wake up call because it doesn't seem like anything is. But my God, that would have been great. I mean, that would have been one of those, you know, wait a minute. You told me that firing Jay Gruden would, would work, and we just lost to the Dolphins, but they won. So now they think they're about to go on a roll. Yeah, look at. They got the 49ers coming to town. They get to get revenge on Kyle Shanahan. Uh, I'm sure Bill Callahan, you know, has got a, got a game plan working uh, with Adrian Peterson running 75 times. Uh, you know, I, I think they, they've got high hopes. How about this guy, it's Callahan? Hard. Kevin, it's hard. It's, it's, I mean, it's hard to take them seriously anymore. It really is. It's just hard to take it seriously. I mean, I, I get tired of bashing them. I really do. It's hard to – I mean, but you, I get tired of bashing them, but I'm sure at some point in the next week or two, they'll do something so egregiously stupid that I'll, get my, I'll be able to revive my bashing energy and hammer them for that. But I'm tired. I'm tired of – aren't you tired of them? Yeah, of course. I mean, I just – you know, I want one day, you know, while I'm still alive um, and able and, and you know, capable of, of really generating some, some passion, I want them to be good again. I just am resigned to the fact that these things, you, you just realize it when you get to a certain point. You realize that it's hard to have success when the people in charge are so arrogant and so limited and just not great, you know, they're just not good at what they do. And it, it and you can't change it. 
Like, this isn't a publicly owned team. This isn't something where you have shareholder meetings and we can show up and demand change. Like, this is this is what it is. And what's been really depressing here over the last, you know, week in particular is the more I talk to various people in the know, Bruce isn't going anywhere. Like, nah. you know, this is... He is he is totally totally outselling the salesman in Snyder. He's got him thinking that Gruden's been the problem. He had him thinking that McLuhan was the problem. Had him thinking the Shanahan's were the problem. Although Dan completely agreed with that one. Um, but I, it's just not ever going to get fixed. They're going to you know. I, I was thinking for a moment, and I think Aaron and I talked about this yesterday on the podcast. For a brief moment, I thought, you know, the Niners are coming in here off an emotional win in the Coliseum against a division opponent that was favored to win the division Super Bowl team from last year. They're traveling east. We all know West Coast teams early one p.m. East Coast start time on a Sunday. That sometimes that that's a a spot to take the home team. And, you know, maybe it's an opportunity for the Redskins to hang in there. And then, and then I, I talked to somebody who said to me, and I won't mention who that somebody is, um, but you might be able to figure it out, said, um, yeah, Kyle, he do, the, Red, the, the 49ers, by the way, are 10-point favorites. He doesn't want to beat the Redskins by 10. He wants to beat them by 110. And he will make that very clear during the course of this week, that he wants to bury the Redskins on Sunday and basically give the big middle, give a middle finger to the, to the owner's box and the team president who will be sitting in that box on the way out. So I would not trust the Redskins in this spot against the Niners. By the way, the Niners are really good on defense, really good on defense. Even without Reuben Foster, even without Reuben Foster. That's amazing. (laughs) It's amazing. I don't know how they were able to do that. You know, the, the savior, the team leader, uh, Look at maybe maybe Kyle can run across the field if he sees Bruce and grab him in person and ask him about a trade for Trent Williams since they won't take Kyle's phone calls. You know what? It might be an opportunity. They they do not yes. they and they will not consider trades with the 49ers. They could have gotten a first round pick for Kirk Cousins, but the pettiness got in the way of that. Uh, and I think that the 49ers and the Browns and the Patriots, all three of those teams, would be interested in Trent Williams. But um, you know, as far as the, as far as the 49ers go, uh, I I would believe that they've gotten word from somebody in the organization, maybe somebody like Eric Schaefer, that nah, Bruce and Dan are not going to deal with the 49ers on anything. I mean, you talk about small-minded pettiness. I know. Again. Uh, I've always said the most important thing an owner can ask himself of a team every day is what's the most important thing for the franchise? Uh, that when you make your decisions, that's the question that needs to be answered. Not what I like, not what's good for me, but what's the most important thing for the franchise? And I don't think that question ever gets asked yeah. at, at, at Redskins Park. And by the way, as far as Bruce Lehman, I think I read a quote from Jake Laser saying he's not going anywhere he's dan snyder's wings and beer guy yeah um well there's that um i think there's probably a lot more to that that one day we'll probably learn i think it has a lot to do with dan not wanting to be you know a presence publicly or even within league circles as much uh, anymore um real quickly two things one 
is that there is definitely, if I didn't say this yesterday, let me say it more emphatically, there is definitely a feeling in Ashburn um, that they've got a chance to turn their season around Sunday at home. That they needed to take care of what they took care of on Sunday, which is get the win in Miami. Um, I'm sure they were thinking that this would have been a more impressive win rather than a Dolphins conceding the win at the end. Um, but they, there's this feeling, which is why Case Keenum's going to start the game Sunday. Um, there's a feeling that if they can beat the 49ers on Sunday at home in this division right now with two, three, and three teams at the top, and maybe nine and seven wins the division, that they can actually go on a run because they're looking, you know, at Minnesota on short, you know, on a short week following the 49er game is not going to be easy, obviously. But then they've got, you know, the Bills, the Jets. You know, the Lions, I think they're looking at these teams like, hey, we're just as good as they are. They're not. They're, they're not. They're not as good as those teams, but I think they believe that. And then the second thing is this, because perhaps you've already talked about it or written about it. I don't know that you have or haven't. The Tomlin to the Redskins thing is a no-chancer, just so everybody understands that. It, it's not going to happen. We Schefter reported that on Sunday. I have, you know, I've got pretty good reason to believe that Schefter is spot on on this, that that's not going to happen. Also, real quickly, Tommy, yesterday I made the um, mistake, Aaron and I actually, um, uh, I made the mistake and, and Aaron Aaron didn't correct me and he should have because he, he should have known this, but um, he's looking at me like, what are you talking about? The, the Schefter report about the Redskins following the, you know, being interested in sort of being patient like the Browns were last year. And, you know, then they, they hired Freddie Kitchens to be the full-time coach. I mentioned that Kitchens was the interim coach. And then we both came to the conclusion that, oh, my God, Bill Callahan's got to be – has a chance to be the head coach next year. Greg Williams was the interim coach last year in Cleveland. So, really, the correct analogy would be they're really perhaps interviewing over these final 10 games, 11 games, Kevin O'Connell. They want to see what O'Connell has as an offensive coordinator, as a play caller – and that's the possible elevation at the end of the season rather than Bill Callahan. But anyway, what else you got? I got nothing else, boss. You want to save the LeBron stuff for Thursday? Yeah, but let me just say, I mean, you know, I'm consumed with the Nats, obviously, rightly so. But this, this NBA China story yeah. is one of the great stories oh, I know. in sports right now. It's a remarkable story with so many aspects to it that are compelling and dramatic i mean it's 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 my kind of story and i just can't pay any attention to it because you know the nats happen to be on their way to a world series and i'm fine with that but it's a huge story well and the extension of that story is the lebron james press conference from yesterday which again we can save till thursday but i think it's an incredible story as well and i talked about it a little bit last week the bottom line is it's really remarkable that the nba feels so beholden to the future of its business as it relates to china so much so that they are willing to almost quiet their own um, at the expense of freedom of speech and freedom of expression uh, to kowtow to China, it's amazing to me. I don't. I don't even know if we're on the same page on this, but I think no. It's, it is amazing. It's an it, incredible story. It is amazing story. because because that's their mo. Their mo is the opposite. Exactly. They're the league. They're the league that 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 embraces freedom of expression. That's right. Oh no, this is 
This, we're talking billions of dollars here. This is just astronomical. You know what, though? Real quickly, so I was doing this exercise, I think, I don't know, Saturday morning. I was talking to a friend of mine who's really into this story as well. And he's he works in New York. And and he said, you know, the, the NBA essentially receives somewhere in the neighborhood of like a billion dollars, you know, from China right now. That's essentially yes. what China means, yeah. you know, to the to the NBA. So, you know, you're talking about, you know, a billion dollars divided by 30 teams. You know, when you really do the math on something like this, it's not like unbelievable money. You know, you're talking about, you know, roughly 30 million bucks per team somewhere in that neighborhood. You know, thirty-three, you know, billion uh, million dollars per team. In the larger scheme of things, it's not a lot of money on a per team basis. You know, but uh, that doesn't mean that the upside of continuing to be in China, as all you know, businesses that want to increase top line revenue are interested in doing. You know, and the NBA is not the only one, um, but at the expense of you know what we believe in here as a country i find it incredibly repulsive um the whole story so do and, I. and the lebron thing to be just an embarrassment from his standpoint i mean sometimes I you know it's, it's ironic that he's telling uh daryl morey essentially to keep quiet um as he's spouting off on it um I agree. But anyway, uh, I agree we, can, with you. we can get into that, we'll get into in, that. in more detail. Okay. And we skipped, you know, you know what I decided to do with you today is just skip the whole Hudson thing from Friday night because I didn't really want to irritate you um, on, on, on that. And I didn't feel like arguing with you today on something like okay. that. Um, That's good. You can go back to your cave now. No, it's not. It's not a cave. It's not a cave. It's just, you know, there are two sides to every story. And sometimes the other side doesn't want to hear uh, the other perspective. That's the irony of that. We just talked about the irony of the NBA is in favor of all this and now look what they're doing on that topic on the Hudson topic the people that are so sure that family's first and there's no other perspective there uh has to quiet and shut the other side down as if their opinion doesn't matter I always find it must be it must be dark and lonely in that case (laughs) well you know it's the same thing that I always say about the Redskins debate I'm completely open-minded to the possibility that they should change their name because they are because the name is so insensitive and it makes an entire culture sad and angered and hurt to hear it um, but the other side doesn't want to consider that Native Americans don't feel that way so you know I'm I'm always open for a debate I'm always open-minded to in in and keeping my head clear as in open to changing my mind. But it's always like the other side that says, nope, this is a no debate. You're wrong, and we're right. And we don't have to explain why. Um, anyway, I want you to have a good day. I want you to feel better. You're going to be there tonight, right? Absolutely. I think I'm going to be there as well. Right now, you it's... Better, you better be there. Well, it's 50-50 right now as to whether or not I'm going to get a decent seat I'm going to tell you right now, I don't want to be there in a bad seat. I would rather be at home than be in a bad seat. So I'm waiting to hear on that. So we'll see. I hope to be there tonight. I, I love I love this team, and tonight could be really um, you know, an all-time night for the sport in this city, which would be great. Let's, let's go, Nats. Yeah. Let's, let's beat the Cardinals, finish this thing off, and get ready for a World Series in our <laughs> fair city. All right, uh, have a great day. By the way, we didn't talk about the Monday night game last night, but the Lions got robbed. Uh, if those, if people out there were wondering 
um, what we th- what I thought about the NFL game last night. Completely and utterly jobbed in the game last night. Two penalties that weren't, and you know what that's going to lead to in the offseason? More replay on penalties, which is great for the game. Uh, sarcasm there. Uh, the Lions should be 3-1-1 one, and one in first place, uh, and they had it stolen from them last night at Lambeau. It's too bad. I actually like the Lions team this year. All right, Tommy, see ya. All right, boss. I'll see you. All right. Uh, if you're listening to us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, rate us, review us, and subscribe. It always helps. And listen carefully. We have an app that's available right now. You can get it at the App Store. Um, you can get it at the Google Store if you've got Android. What I want you to do is I want you, for those of you that have used the app, go ahead and tweet me at Kevin Sheehan DC and let me know whether or not it's a good experience or not. I had a couple of tweets yesterday from people saying, hey, it's great, the app's awesome, and a couple from others that said it's a little bit cumbersome. I want more of your feedback on that, please, um, at Kevin Sheehan, D.C. Thanks to Aaron. Thanks to Tommy. Uh, Back tomorrow, hopefully, talking about the Nationals as a World Series team. Have a great day.